Welcome to the Social Pros Podcast, the content marketing awards winner for best marketing podcast. This is where we shine the spotlight on real people doing real work in social media and learn the social secrets of the world's most interesting brands. Social Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, social media strategy advisors and counselors to leading brands and organizations worldwide. Convince and Convert makes your social better. Emma, which provides innovative email marketing tools that drive brilliant results. Salesforce Marketing Cloud, inspiring one-to-one connections with your customers with integrated solutions for social, mobile, email, web, and advertising. And Yext, whose award-winning location management platform helps companies of all sizes drive more foot traffic to their doors. With Yext, update your location data once and publish it to your website, apps, over 100 publishers, including Google, Apple Maps, Facebook, Bing, and Yahoo. That's the power of location. That's Yext. Your Social Pros co-hosts are Adam Brown from Salesforce Marketing Cloud and Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. Ready? Let's get to work. Welcome, everybody, to Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. I am, as always, Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, joined once again by my special Texas friend who took the microphone solo last week. Awesome show with Jonah Berger. We are back together. It is the executive strategist for the Salesforce Marketing Cloud. He is the one, the only Mr. Adam Brown. Wow, that took two weeks for you to get ready for that one. Uh, all those uh, breath exercises, Jay. Uh, I'm- yeah, snorkeling. Snorkeling does that to you, man. You got to really, you got to, you got to work on it. I am so glad you're back. We had a great time with with Jonah Berger uh, last week. Uh, a fantastic guy, fantastic author, and a fantastic new book. But glad to have my my leader and my uh, co host and Jay Bear back. Uh, did you have a good Did you have a good break? Obviously, snorkeling was involved. Yeah, I did a little snorkeling action, got bit by mosquitoes, went to St. Wow. Lucia in the Caribbean, which is just an extraordinary island, mystical place, um, drank uh, tons of the local beer and and uh, uh, did a volcanic mud bath. So I looked very youthful. Uh, it's all good. Man. Wow. Yeah. And did you get carted for those beers after the mud bath? I mean, was that a good uh, indication of the youthfulness? It wasn't quite efficacy? that much. It didn't have that kind of impact. But uh, but yeah, I, I'm smooth as a baby's bottom. Oh, well, that might be TMI there. Yeah, maybe in a we can we can edit that out, but we won't. Uh, we have a great guest uh, today from one of my favorite uh, digital agencies in the country, DEG Group in Kansas City. It's Jen Forrest, who's the director of social media for DEG. Jen, thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. I love you guys. Have have spent a lot of time with DEG people through the years, as as you may know, Jen. I don't. I don't maybe you don't. But my my background uh, back in the day was in email marketing. In fact, uh, my previous firm, Mighty Interactive, used to trade off the Exact Target Global Partner of the Year award every year with DEG. <laughs> so you guys had won it one year, we'd win it one year. So been been long long time friends of DEG for a really long time, and love the work that you guys do there. Oh, thank you so much. We uh, we're quite honored. We're uh, given a third time partner of the year, so it's been quite a long relationship with Salesforce, and one that we really love, and one that I'm kind of new to. So it's pretty pretty exciting. So, how do you structure your social media team there when you're working with a bunch of different clients? Why don't we talk about that, and then also talk about some of the clients that you serve? It's always interesting to me how how professional services providers staff social media when they're working for a multitude of companies. Gosh, that's a great question. Yeah, we um, we're a little bit different in that uh, we don't really have a team of social media 
people just hanging out, generalists, uh, ready to go at any uh, moment. But uh, we really try and staff to be specialists. So we have social media strategists, coordinators, uh, an awesome creative team, uh, and uh, paid media as well as analytics. So we uh, kind of specialize in that. And just knowing how in-depth you can get in each of those areas, it really is necessary these days. Does the creative team just do kind of social media type creative or do they do other stuff as well? We do other stuff as well. Yeah. So our creative team supports um, all of the departments here. So they uh, they get exposed to email, they get exposed to paid media, and they're really uh, tasked with a tough job, which is knowing uh, what kind of creative resonates in each of those digital channels. Yeah, no kidding. It's it's tricky. There's so many different things to to tackle now, even just within the auspices of paid, there's a lot of different <laughs> things to do, much less uh, all, all the organic work. And so do you then have a different account team for each of your, your, your clients, then you're doing a different array of services for each client, or do you sort of have a standard? This is how DEG does social for companies. No, that's exactly how we staff. We staff for the needs, right? So we have, uh, so, you know, departments that support each of those areas like creative, uh, strategy analytics. Uh, and we really make sure we listen to the client and say, you know, Hey, what do you need from us? And we staff to their needs so that we're not, uh, you know, staffing to uh, access. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, are you doing much frontline social media support for for uh, customers where, where you are running their Twitter account, their Facebook page, that kind of thing? Definitely. And, and does that require some weird hours sometimes? Or are you like, <laughs> look, we're I mean, are you, are you running people night shift and that kind of thing to be Twitter night shift person? No, you know, social is always on, but, um, you know, we, we make sure we are, are there when we need to be. Um, in other words, you know, if a client has, you know, a really heavy season with holiday, for example, we have a lot of clients in retail and that's just a incredible, you know, busy time for us, just given how on consumers are with customer service uh, during that main time frame. So yeah. in that case, yes, uh, it's much more, <laughs> it's much more busy during that time frame than it is say right now in the summer. When you're doing strategy um, for for clients, one of the things that's really fascinating to me now is the lifespan of a strategic plan, right? Like, you know, it used to be Adam and I remember this because we're old. Um, back in the day, you know, you would literally <laughs> do yourself, like a five year. <laughs> <laughs> you would do you would do a five year marketing plan, right? I know some of it was future casting, of course, but, but you would genuinely as a corporate exercise, sit down and create a Mm -hmm. five year marketing plan. And nobody thought that was foolish. (laughs) And now if you said, Hey, we need a five year social media plan. Uh, like it's, you know, that's insane. Right. Um, and, and so I presume that when you get a new client, you sit down and you do a strategy, but then how often do you kind of revisit the game plan and say, yeah, you know what? We got this new fangled thing here that we need to do. We need to do more podcasting or we need to do live streaming or whatever. How, how often are you making those kind of changes? Daily? Hourly? <laughs> uh, no, you know, I, I mean, you make a good point. Yeah, we, we take a look at the big picture, right? We, so we, I like to say we try and plan for the 80% so that we can be in the 20%. Um, just given how fast social changing, if you try and a hundred percent plan for everything, that's never going to work. Um, even in your daily, uh, work, you know, just knowing what the day is going to bring, there's always that 20% that you can't account for, you know, whether it's a, a trend, whether it's, um, a, a piece of the news in the 24 hour news cycle. Um, if you're, if you're spending a hundred percent of your time planning, you're never going to be there for reactive, um, or proactive strategy. One of the things that I think is tricky about that, and I couldn't agree more, 
is that when you have those opportunities to capitalize upon news or just do something that isn't already in the editorial calendar, getting approvals from the client to (laughs) do that. So that's one area where I think clients who do social themselves have an easier time than agencies doing social for clients because you you usually can get the the approvals faster inside the building than if you're from outside the building. So do you have sort of a process with your client says, okay, look, guys, we're going to do a monthly editorial calendar or whatever, but if we need to do something in the next four hours, we have to have somebody we can call or some sort of system of checks and balances where we can get approvals. Cause if we can't get it fast, there's no point doing this. Yeah, definitely. Um, the process is a big part, but the other part of that is trust, right? So some, some of that yeah. is an inherent, uh, d- is this person willing to be a little bit risky and try things with us? Or, uh, do they have a lot of policies in place where we can't react that fast? So yeah. when we talk about trust, I mean, between the agency and the client, uh, knowing when those things are, really worth our time and when uh, to, to bug them, honestly, and when it's something to just go ahead and move on. Or we even have some clients who trust us enough and we're on the same page that when an opportunity comes up, we react um, and, and evaluate later. So that uh, that's the real trust that comes through when it comes to social and working with an agency is, is being okay and being on the same page with moving quickly enough together. In terms of, of that that trust and how it varies from client to client, is there some sort of like trust scale that you <laughs> use for that? Or is it just intuition? Or is it like, okay, here's the deal. We're going out for drinks and uh, we're going to buy you a shot. We're going to tell you what this shot is. Uh, and if you drink it, then we know we've got enough trust. Um, you know, how do you, how do you gauge that? Well, now you're talking my language. Uh, (laughs) No, you know, I think uh, we do a lot of that discussion in in our first kind of conversations and discoveries. So really understanding what their limitations are, where the flexibility is. And uh, once we get down the road with a client, it might be weeks, it might be months um, to where we kind of build that amount of trust to be able to move and react that quickly together. So it, so it's not the, the level of trust isn't inherent at the beginning of the relationship. It, it layers and scaffolds up over time when you've proven that you're not going to make them feel foolish or afraid. Definitely, especially for clients who have worked with other agencies in the past and are making a move. Um, you know, that's that's starting starting from scratch for them. So yeah. sometimes that's, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Let me ask you that. Yeah. Um, would you rather <laughs> have a client that has never worked with an agency before? Ooh. Or have a client that's worked with an agency in the past that had a mediocre experience? That's a great question. I think I'm going to go with option two, uh, mostly because it's really hard to change um, somebody who's been working on their own for a long time. And we've done both. But uh, I think those that have had a mediocre relationship in the past, yeah, you got to overcome some of that uh, um, barrier to trust. But I think mm-hmm. in the the long term, they're, they've got processes in place where they know how to work with an agency at least. Um, and sometimes those are good habits and sometimes they're bad habits. But um, in the sense that they're scaling to uh, be an extension of their team. That's really where we want to be. We want to be a partner. We want to be part of the team, not just uh, somebody's, you know, hiring for extra hands. One of the things that I know you are a big fan of is authenticity in social media and doing things more authentically. What what does that what does that mean to you? And is it is it doable to be more authentic when 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 you are, are a third party sort of doing social on behalf of the first party? 
Oh yeah, authenticity is huge. I mean, the minute the minute it feels like marketing, it's it's advertising and social. So, I think the authenticity is really, you know, coming from a communications background, just so important in terms of the strategy that you're activating in social. It's just, it's, it comes through in your copy, it comes through in your marketing, it comes through in your content. It really comes through in community management, especially. So authenticity is really just the, having a human behind social, which I think sometimes gets a little bit lost these days. Um, and since, you know, we've kind of been around for a long time, uh, Adam, considering how old we are, <laughs> uh, I think that's something I can remember from day one of starting in social media was, who's the person, what's your profile picture? It used to actually be people. So I think that's, that's a really big part of uh, our strategy for most of our clients. And, and kind of to that point, Jen, uh, and again, it's great to have you on the show, Jen Forrest, Director of Social Media for the uh, DEG Agency. Are we, are we getting more transparent or are we getting less transparent? Or is it more about kind of a perceived transparency that at least we're, we're making you feel like this is still the, the, the wonderful hold hands and sing kumbaya <laughs> social media world of, of the earlier 2000s? Yeah, I, th- I think it depends on what uh, company you're talking about, to be honest with you. Um, I've seen some, some clients who are really authentic and that they they are really out there if if there's a product issue they have no problem saying you know hey we you know we get it we messed up or we yeah let's replace that pair of jeans for you or or xyz um but there's also still a lot of companies out there that i think are just using it as kind of a transparency vehicle in marketing whether that's you know corporate communications or um you know my hope is that most uh most companies out there see the potential of transparency really coming through in social but you just never know I've always said that there's kind of a correlation between the brands that are or at least perceived to be tra- more transparent and more genuine with them really looking at social not as a broadcast medium but as a narrowcast right. medium, which, which yeah. really in, in a way it is. You can certainly use social as a broadcast medium, but you're you're giving away so much goodness. And, and I believe that that is kind of one of the transformations that we're, we're seeing right now. My question for, for you is, you know, it's great having someone like you, a social pro on the agency side of the business on the podcast, because so often we have folks more on the, on the client side. There is certainly a transformation taking place on the client side as we see social get more embedded into the company. It's not just marketing and communications mm-hmm. anymore. It's customer service. It's using mm-hmm. these for analytics and business transformations. What type of transformation is kind of taking place on the agency side, in terms of both how you service those customers, but even internally, how you're structuring your social teams, you know, and, and as you mentioned with, with, with Jay and, and how your creative team really does a variety of different uh, tactical things, but everything, everybody stays kind of on the same strategic page. Yeah, I mean that's that transformation is definitely apparent um, on the digital side as well. I think we're seeing the needs of uh, technology and data really skyrocket in terms of the needs to address in terms of staffing, in terms of our strategic planning, in terms of how we integrate social and other parts of what a client is doing. Um, for example, just the amount of uh, CRM targeting you can do through social media now is is a huge huge future looking and now today what we can do in terms of a a strategy and that means that we have to have access to data and that is a (laughs) that's a a tough thing for a lot of agencies to overcome when you may not have access to data now unfortunately you know adam sure as you know 
we um, we work closely with Salesforce and other partners like that where we do have access to data. And so we help clients try to uh, get to that page. But there's definitely a transformation going on in terms of using that data to um, provide better strategies. And to that point of, of kind of the tools that, that you're using and your, and your clients use, uh, one thing I'd be interested in knowing is certainly when, when I is and when I'm wearing my Salesforce hat, hat and go out and, and talk to, to customers, in many instances, you know, they are, they're, you know, obviously handling social in a variety of the different parts of the organization. And in some cases, they may be using the same tool. And in some cases, it might be the Wild West, laissez-faire, everybody's yeah. using different tools. What are you finding as you talk to larger companies that do have a more distributed or a center of excellence or, or even lack of a center of excellence type of structure for social? We are finding that uh, everyone needs data. Everyone in the whole organization needs data. Um, and so in terms of the, the Wild West versus the center of excellence, I think we're seeing literally everything. I mean, it's just some some method of digital transformation going on, whether that's really advanced and they're bringing everything into one place or whether it's, you know, native posting that's still going on. And they're really just now realizing that they need to really organize around a process or, or a tool that's going to help them execute that. And certainly, um, you know, that the technology piece is, is just one side of, of that transformation. I think the other part of that is, you know, remaining at the heart, being a storyteller and the creative application of that technology. And, and to that point, are you seeing kind of the quote unquote homeroom for social, which typically used to live in either marketing or, or communications, mm-hmm. moving to other parts of the organization or truly now kind of being even its third kind of extension, you know, whether it reports to the CMO or the CCO, where, where do you see that going? You know, it's hard to say. I mean, I definitely haven't seen it move yet in terms of where it, you know, it lives or the social team lives per se. But I do think um, the communication that is necessary between the internal uh, stakeholders with social is just becoming a, a really, really, really strong indicator of how social is being applied into real world <laughs> scenarios. Um, so the earlier example you talked about when, you know, we have an opportunity come up for something, knowing who those stakeholders are internally and getting their bite off really soon, or at least knowing even who to talk to first is just becoming a, a crucial component. And if that communication isn't there, that's where I think we're seeing companies start to fail um, or start to have breakdowns in being successful in social. And, and kind of, to, and, and again, to, to that point of, of kind of the homeroom, and as you said, some organizations having, having failure, you know, one way to kind of understand where the homeroom is to look, f- follow the money. I mean, that's, that's rule number one yeah. in anything in business. Where is the money for social coming from the customers and the clients that you work for? You know, I always like to joke that mm-hmm. you know, there's no money tree outside of the CMO's <laughs> office where he and she can just you know, pull off a million dollars and say, hey, Adam, you know, knock yourself out. The money has to come from somewhere, and it's certainly going to be taken from somewhere where there is a perceived or actually factual database, again, to your point, Jen, less efficacy. Where is the money for the programs that you're doing, both the kind of the earned and owned programs, as well as, as I'm sure, and this is probably a perfect segue, more of the paid programs, paid social programs that you're doing? 
Yeah, it just depends. Um, Mostly marketing uh, and communication teams right now still. But as you pointed out, I mean, paid social is honestly becoming a huge blender, if you will, of that that line between um, our e-commerce teams that we also work with and the marketing teams. And then really pairing up together to figure out how social can can support both brand and commerce or acquisition all at the same time. But really, that uh, that's kind of where the dollars are falling and still there's a lot of silos in that in terms of the budget. So I think there's there's clarity coming as people start to realize that social can support more than just one thing. But again, it just really depends on and making sure that there's communication going on so that you're all working towards the same goal. Or if you know you're working towards different goals, knowing how to prioritize the budgets um, to, to get that done. Do you have an example of a, of a program that DEG worked on where you where, for for a customer or a client who said where you can kind of look back and go, okay, we we and the client really got this right. Where this all worked, everybody worked together. <laughs> everybody was on the same page in terms of what the ROIs are, and yep. the program was successful. Definitely. Um, You know, we recently worked with Hellsberg Diamonds on a campaign called We Propose, You Propose to help support their bridal business and um, gain more market share with a younger audience. And and really, I think from a storytelling perspective and from a a social strategy perspective, everything was right on par. And we really were able to help achieve kind of that brand goal. And then it was talked about earlier with more of the acquisition focused and commerce focused. You know, we had supporting tactics related to paid social, related to email, um, you know, internal comms, PR, that really were all supported by that one piece of content. So I think that was just one example where, you know, one one area of the business led the storytelling and led the focus of the campaign, but everybody really was able to benefit um, internally and externally on, on that campaign because it supported multiple objectives. And was that program for Hellsberg Diamonds kind of a social program that was supported by other mediums and, and tactics, or was it a marketing or communications program of which social was a, was a key component? You know, that's it's a really interesting question. I sometimes I ask myself that same question in my day to day. But you know, does it really matter anymore? I think social is leading the charge on advertising on communications anymore. And sometimes those ideas that start in the social team or start in, you know, the creative team, it ends up getting to the front of the line because of the way consumers are digesting and engaging with brands these days. That's, that's a really, it's a really interesting point. And perhaps you're right. It shouldn't be a question we ask. Um, you know, it would be like, you know, 15, 20 years ago, email marketing, you know, being a, a, a considered, you know, an add-on or an accessory, you know, rather now it's just it's just the way it's just the way things are things are done. To that point, um, the, the intersection, obviously, your heritage at, at DEG is is very much an email and direct marketing, direct type of response. Where is that best kind of fit of of social and email marketing? Are you finding that one can trigger the other and that one can complement the other, or is it more of a supplement? Uh, one can supplement the other. Yeah, I think uh, I think social can support it in in acquisition, engagement, and retaining. So a, a great example of that is you know acquiring email through social. Another example is engaging them while they're in a email series, a welcome series, or um, even in a UGC series, let's say. And then in the retainment phase, where we're really uh, asking people to share their purchase experience, we're asking them to share a rating and review. Um, there's a 
there's a place for social in, in that whole experience. And I think that's something that we we oftentimes uh, kind of kind of forget. You know, the the fifty years ago, even all even farther back than that, you know, the whole mantra of marketing or even PR has been reaching the right person at the right time with the right message. And mm-hmm. we really have to as marketers, and you even said, Jen, is, is the way that you've structured your team there as director of social media at DEG, is really to almost be channel agnostic. Um, let's not worry about the channel. Let's worry about the story. Let's worry about what we're trying to achieve here and then let the tactical side of things kind of fit back into that. Yeah, definitely. I think that's that's definitely our approach, and and it's hard to it's hard to take the channels out of that sometimes, because um, that's a necessary piece. But really, consumers uh, don't see it that way anymore, and so it's really important that when we're thinking about how we approach a problem, we're thinking about it in a way that's channel agnostic. Yeah. That said, though, I'm sure there's channels that that you find easier or more effective. What's your favorite organic channel at this point, Jen? Oh gosh, uh, you know I'm I'm gonna ride the train and say Snapchat. I mm. I'm not gonna lie, I was a disbeliever, <laughs> and as soon as I started using it two weeks in, I mean I'm automatically spending less time on Instagram than I am on Snapchat, and I. If you had asked me that question four months ago, six months ago, I would have laughed. Yep. I would probably say the exact same thing, which is really interesting. What about for paid? What are you seeing the most, um, uh, being the most effective on paid? Most of the research now says f- uh, Facebook, but I think that's somewhat um, correlation because so many more advertisers are sure. using Facebook than anything else. But what uh, what are you seeing? There's been lots of advances with Pinterest recently and a lot of other cool stuff happening. What, what do you like? You know, um, CRM data, regardless of the channel, I mean, Pinterest just brought in CRM data into their targeting capabilities. Mm-hmm. And I think if if you're in paid social and not using the data you have, then you're missing a huge opportunity. So I think uh, it'll be interesting to see where Pinterest goes with that and, and how successful it is. So uh, Facebook is absolutely, I think, yeah, like you said, top of the list for most. But I think Pinterest is is still a really interesting play if you're in the right medium for that. Yeah, the right type of business as well, probably, right? Yeah, exactly. What are you doing on, on live video? How do you feel about that right now with, with Facebook Live and Periscope and, and Blab and all that? Is, is there a role for, for your brands to, to really dig in on that, or is it just sort of an occasional dip your toe in? Great question. I I think it depends on on who it is and what you're doing and what your objectives are, of course. But, you know, I think when you're talking about live, we're either talking utility or we're talking entertainment. And uh, entertainment's a lot harder to do. It's a a lot more um, competitive when when you're talking about who you're competing against because you're not just competing against brands. And when it comes to utility, sometimes live is really easy for that. And people aren't looking for a lot of post-production to kind of get that same message. So I think live video has a has a place it just needs to be used for the right thing it's a really good point jen that that one of the nice things about live video is that it it takes production away right it's like people don't expect a hollywood style film shoot on a live video (laughs) right and so you can almost be like okay well we didn't really have the budget for this um so instead of trying to do it half-assed um as a static video we're gonna do it as a live video so you don't expect it to be good right i'm like hmm interesting not yeah. to mention the fact that live video is totally overrepresented in the newsfeed right now, at least uh, on Facebook. And yeah. so I, I did an experiment the other day when I was on vacation. I, I t- 
took a video of us just posing for a picture, right? It was a four second video. There's nothing in the video other than us just posing for the picture. So it's a four <laughs> second video with no motion. And I, and I posted that to Facebook and it got tons and tons and tons of likes and comments and things like that, partially because it was a video. And so Facebook showed it to so many more people than if it would just been a photo. And I'm like, Hmm, interesting. Wow. I might have to do that more. Um, I think I may have unlocked a secret recipe that uh, now everybody knows who listens to social pro will no longer be a secret after the next uh, show comes out. But uh, it was just really fascinating, like how much velocity it had because it was a video. And I'm like, Oh, I should have done it live. Every time I do a live video now, it's going to be a four second me posing for a selfie. uh, Jay has been live for, Oh, you missed it. It was only four seconds. Yeah, no, I I think we're seeing the same thing. We've, we've tested it out for a couple of clients and, and every single, Every single one has had more velocity than a typical post, for sure. Yeah, it's crazy. I was speaking to one of our uh, our customers, JetBlue, just uh, a little while ago, and they said exactly the same, Jay. Same thing, Jay. That if they put something up as a video, even if the same content that's in a still video is gonna gonna shoot up higher in the yeah. uh, in, in the news uh, newsfeed algorithm. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, speaking of paid social, one of the things that I really want you to take a look at is this URL. Ready? Bitly slash advertising studio. Bitly slash advertising studio. And that is the advertising studio brought to you by our friends at Salesforce Marketing Cloud. Now, look, there's lots of ways you can buy Facebook ads. There's lots of ways you can buy Twitter ads and Pinterest ads and Instagram ads and LinkedIn ads and all that kind of stuff. And you could have a whole bunch of logins on an Excel spreadsheet or whatever crazy password system your IT guy sets up. But the best way to buy paid social is with Advertising Studio because you can do all that stuff in one place with one login. That's why Salesforce Marketing Cloud powers the paid campaigns of many of the largest brands and agencies in the world. They are buying millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of paid social through Advertising Studio every day. You should too. It's super easy. You're going to get a lot out of it. Check it out. Go to bit.ly slash advertising studio. Also, we talked about email. Adam and, uh, and Jen talked about email and social integration I don't care whether or not you are an email marketer per se. If you're in social and you're listening to this show, you need to know what works in email, which is why you need to go to myemma.com slash jbear. Hey, that's my name. Myemma.com slash jbear, J-A-Y-B-A-E-R, because Emma... Our friends, sponsor of the show, put together a really helpful guide called Your Brain on Email, The Science to Winning the Inbox. Really easy, really informative, and it looks beautiful, like a super great layout in this ebook. Uh, Six really cool facts about the human brain, the brain, and how top brands are using these facts to get brilliant results in the inbox. Really awesome stuff. Check it out. Go to myemma.com slash jbear. Also, If you have not signed up for Definitive, which is the email that my team sends out every single day for digital marketers, social marketers, and content marketers, you got to do it. We keep getting emails. I get at least one email a week, and I'm not making this up. I get at least one email a week from somebody who says, thank you for publishing Definitive. It is my favorite email in the world. The reason that's true is that unlike most people's emails, which are, here's what happened this week in social media. And look, I love those guys. There's lots of great emails out there like that. Um, there, there's tons of them, right? We don't do that. So what we do at Definitive is we pick a topic and Each day for that topic, we find for you the three best things that have ever been published about that topic. It could be a video, could be a webinar, could be an ebook, could be a blog post, could be a haiku, probably not, but could be. 
And so for that topic, we give you the three best things that have ever been written, sometimes written by us at Convince and Convert, but typically not written by whomever is awesome. And it is the definitive, which is why it's called definitive, the definitive information about that topic. So every day is one topic. So today was rich snippets. A couple days ago, it was B2B Snapchat usage, right? Like there's really interesting stuff in there. And if you're a subscriber, you can get access to all the archives. So all the topics we've ever covered. So imagine the most perfectly curated set of resources for digital marketers like you anywhere. That's what Definitive is. Go to definitivedigest.com, definitivedigest.com. You're going to love it. If not, send me an email personally, and we can talk about that. Adam, back to you. And, and I just want to, Jay, endorse the uh, Definitive uh, Digest. You, it is. It is a master's class in anything digital or marketing or whatever the topic of the day is. I just, I just love it. It's curated. Uh, our, our friends at Convince and Convert do just a wonderful, wonderful job of it. So please, everybody, uh, check that out. Jen Forrest, Director of Social Media for DEG. It is so great having you on the show. This little part of the show is what we call, Jay and I, that is, the origin story. And we like to know kind of how you got into this. R right before uh, we hit the red record button on this, uh, on this podcast, uh, Jen informed me that her background is a little bit like mine, that she has spent time both on the marketing side as well as the public relations side. So Jen, would love to hear how you got to, uh, to DEG and, and kind of the, the origin of, of you being in this very exciting and fast-moving business. Yeah, so I, uh, I was a lovely entrepreneur of social because I fell into it. It kind of found me, and uh, I fell in love with it that way. So I, uh, I was a college student graduating and found my first job and started it literally the day after I graduated college um, at Golan. And I spent uh, most of my career there uh, growing up in PR and marketing communications. And uh, it taught me a lot about communicating, uh, uh, communicating online, communicating everywhere. And social is such a key part of that, that um, I, I got a chance to work across uh, consumer, corporate, healthcare. And because um, I signed up for Twitter the, the first day I started, I just fell in love with it and uh, kept on pursuing it there. Well, now, you have an interesting probably insight on kind of the inner workings of an agency and even how your, your clients use agencies. And I've always said agencies are a little bit like, the, at least for, for a man, the size of lapels or the width of a tie on, you know, on, on a suit. And that you kind of go and migrate from every 10 years, it being kind of the world of the full service agency, you know, the big agency with thousands or tens of thousands of employees doing everything for a particular client or customer. And then the, the world and the realm of the boutiques. So agencies that do creative and social and email and media buying and things like that. Where are we right now in this evolution and, and where is it kind of going in your opinion, Jen? You know, it's, it's, it's tough because I think some clients really thrive with um, a lot of uh, people in the mix, people meaning agencies, and some clients really thrive with one partner. I think with, with uh, the internal workings of who's kind of owning each part of that, clients have to decide what's best for them at the end of the day. If it's easiest to consolidate into one and work through one partner because that's their, their preferred way of working, I think that's always going to remain the case. But then you have others where you really need different 
expertise in each of those areas. And they thrive with having five different people bringing them ideas and bringing them strategies all the time, as long as those people are good at working together. And that's really a key part of that. Um, <laughs> being successful is all those agencies working well together with a client. Then I think both, both of those are really viable options. And it's really just a preferred way of working. Um, now, that being said, I think the benefit of having one person work with you is is definitely the uh, communication uh, and how much time it takes to communicate and work together. That gets cut down immediately once you are on the same page with one partner. Now, you've spent most of your career on, on the agency side. So I'm going to ask you for a second here to put on your PRSA or American <laughs> Association of Advertising Agencies pitch person hat and tell the folks who are listening to the show who might be in college, just, just like you were and just like Jay and I were, trying to kind of figure out what they want to do. Do they want to go corporate or do they want to go agency? Talk a little bit about kind of the benefits of, of working in, in the agency world. And then maybe if, if you've got any kind of the cons too and kind of the benefits of being more on the corporate side. Yeah, I think definitely the pros is if you love working on something different every single day, an agency is going to provide that for you. I mean, having a new challenge, a new um, a new client in front of you almost every day to to kind of think, make you think differently, make you problem solve in a different way. That's really what uh, what I ended up loving about working for an agency and why I've stayed on this this side of things for so long is um, I just love to constantly learn and I love to constantly challenge myself with the the next new thing and getting to try different things for different clients. Um, so I think that's a huge benefit. And I also think the amount of people and the amount of amazing talent and um, that you find on the agency side is incredible because everybody comes from different backgrounds. Everybody has different expertise. So you get a lot of that. Um, and, and you just absorb a lot of information, a lot of knowledge just from interacting and working with those people every day. I mean, that's a huge benefit of working on the agency side. Um, I can't speak to personal experience on the client side, but from, uh, from what I know, I think it depends on your personality. It depends on where you are in life. Um, I know a lot of people who have gone client side later in their agency careers because of things like, the cons, you know, long working hours in some cases, um, making sure that you are always getting back to the client as fast as possible. So I think it's just, you know, it just depends on who you are, what your personality is like. Um, if you really like getting in there and digging in and putting your heels into something, then clients, I might be right for you. It's just a matter of, um, you know, what your career goals are too. I mean, that's a, that's a key piece. You meet a lot of people on the agency side. <laughs> and so, uh, the amount of people you meet, I think, uh, on the agency side is provides more opportunities down the road too. Yeah, I, I agree completely with, with that assessment, Jen. I've spent almost, uh, before Salesforce, almost equally half my uh, career on the corporate side uh, and working for brands and, and then the other half on the agency side. And there are certainly benefits to both. But if you do like the idea of working on something new every single day, that is one of the most fun aspects of, of, of being on the, on the agency side. Definitely. Jen, I've got one last question for you before I hand it over to uh, Jay, who's going to ask you the big, the big two questions. And I'm going to call this my Wayne Gretzky question. You know, the old story, Wayne Gretzky, Hall of Fame hockey player. You know, he always said, you don't skate to where the hockey, the, the hockey puck is, you skate to where the hockey puck is going. So my Gretzky question for, for you, Jen, is where is that puck going? Where is that social puck going? 
if you were someone right now wanting to to kind of hone your your, your social types of, of 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 skills, would you would you focus more on kind of the the big picture of things, or would you hang your hat on Periscope, or would you hang your hat on Snapchat in terms of really getting to go deep into that, one of those particular types of things? Those being the two things that we talked about today on the show. You know, I call some of that shiny object syndrome, which is, you know, (laughs) putting the puck where the the shiniest object is, which is usually a downfall for for clients who get, you know, focused on that one thing and forget about their business objectives. But I think you have to have a little bit of that in you every day. Otherwise, you're never going to stay ahead of social. And so I think um, I'm going to defer to my 80-20 rule, right? So if 80% of what you're doing is focused in making sure that you're hitting those business objectives you know, take a risk, take, take the shiny object and try it out and see if it works for you, but fail fast and make sure you don't uh, stay there too long. if It's not working, but if that 20% is working, chase it and make sure you're adding that to the 80% of what you're already doing. I love that fail fast and fail forward. Those are always two of my, uh, my big, my big attributes and points. I love it. It's a great tip. And I think as a longtime listener to the show, Jen, you know the two big questions I'm going to ask you here to wrap up this amazing episode of Social Pros. The first question, what one tip would you give somebody looking to become a social pro? I think my one tip is, you know, find a great mentor or many if you can. I think I've always learned from others who are sitting where I want to be and figuring out how they got there. Um, I think that's that's just a a piece of personal advice, career advice, I think as a social pro, like if you see somebody out there, the beauty of social is that you can find them and talk to them. And usually you can meet them in real person, you know, in real life. So I say, take, take that conversation from being, you know, a networking opportunity online to offline and find an opportunity to meet them in person. That's great advice. The, the number of people who are truly unapproachable now is, uh, is pretty <laughs> small. I mean, there's still people that you can't really get to, but uh, you you can pretty much um, find anybody you want to. And not everybody will, will want to to help you, and not everybody wants to be a mentor, uh, unfortunately. But um, but a lot of people are, are gracious and, and want to help. So that's terrific advice. All right, last question, Jen. As you know, will be if you could do a Skype call. With any living person, who would it be? I think to follow up on that first piece of advice, uh, the person who I've always wanted to uh, meet with as a mentor is Sheryl Sandberg. Um, Being kind of both in the digital career and on the female side, personally, I think those are two things that she has had such a huge voice um, in in our our time and day of being a a female kind of trying to get through digital (laughs) and build a career in digital. She's somebody I would love to talk to and pick her brain about how she kind of manages both her personal goals and her career goals at the same time. Yeah, that I think we've had a couple of people have said uh, Cheryl in the past, we got to work harder, Adam, to get, to get uh, Cheryl Sandberg on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get on that. Somebody out there, I'm sure has a relationship uh, at the highest levels of that company. So if you want to help us put in a word, <laughs> let us know. Send me an email. We'll make it happen. Jen, thanks so much. Fantastic to have you on the show. Congratulations on all the great success at DEG. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time, too. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Mr. Adam, wow, we're back together again. It was so great to uh, be on the microphone with you after a brief absence. I know, a brief respite and now together again. 
<laughs> and that'll be the again. first and last time I sing on the show, by the way. Just oh, good. I'm glad to, I'm glad to, to know that. Um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. As always, if you haven't had a chance to leave a review for the show on iTunes, we would love it if you did that. Please support our sponsors. We can keep doing this every single week for you on Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. I am, as always, Jay Bear from Convince to Convert. He's Adam Brown from Salesforce Marketing Cloud, and we will see you next week. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Social Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to socialpros.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Social Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, Emma, Salesforce Marketing Cloud, and by Yext. And is produced by Convince and Convert Media. Find more great shows like Social Pros at marketingpodcasts.com. The first search engine for marketing podcasts. Podcast Imaging by Audiobag.com.